Thanks, as always, for listening to Fluff and Crunch. In this episode, Chris and I discuss his ideas for a homebrew system for running an RPG in a car using real dice with his family. I think this is actually really cool for anyone who takes road trips. It could be done on a plane. And we're also going to share a link to a rough draft of the rules that he uh, he put to paper for this. Thanks for listening to Fluff and Crunch, where we talk about the connection and sometimes disconnect between system, setting, and story in tabletop RPGs. All right, then. All right. So we're actually recording now after we had a chance to do some gaming. Have you done any gaming since last we recorded? No. like I think because me, Scott, and Brian hadn't seen each other for about four, three or four weeks, that when we met up last week, all we did was talk about uh-huh. our holidays for like, like three hours. And then at the end went, huh, let's decide what we're going to play next week. Yeah. Um, and that was mostly us staring at my bookcase for about another hour <laughs> and eventually we decided to play conan right so on. I'm, actually, I'm actually playing a 2d20 although i'm probably going to actually use the conan rules to play league because neither of them know the conan world at all and they don't know the league of legends world at all so it's like oh i don't make any difference to them then <laughs> whereas i know the league world better than i know the conan world so i've spent some time looking at how i can you know like a lot of places in conan are like real world like they have real world analogs yes and a lot of places in league have real world analogs i've basically been trying to join those three together to go okay so so essentially i'm planning to use a lot of conan stuff but to play in league and they won't know the difference because they don't know either of the settings anyway good that's the plan how about you very good well we did our character creation session for star trek adventures we're going to start a fresh campaign this weekend uh, set in 2255, so a year and some before Strange New World starts. Uh, I'm not pinning myself to the current state of canon perfectly, but it'll be during Discovery. Sli- you know, it's it's several years before Kirk's uh, first five-year mission. And uh, we made characters, so I have a captain, I have a chief medical officer, and a chief science officer, and we might be adding another player. And it went well. Actually, we, we made the characters, and we made the ship, and uh, it, was, it was actually a really cool joint process because of the life path system in Star Trek Adventures. And um, we shared a lot of ideas to make sure and it wasn't so much deliberate, like I put it out there as a requirement. I didn't. But the four of us ended up creating some points of overlap and some intentional points of contrast between the characters to make for an interesting, you know, three-part upper command crew. So uh, we're really looking forward to launching Star Trek Excalibur this um, this weekend. Yeah. Excellent. And you know, hey, I had this is a funny thing. I I had now as now as more people are joining the Discord, I had a request, uh, essentially for us to reintroduce ourselves because I realized like we now use each other's names, Chris, but we don't <laughs> unless you go back to episode one. I guess we could just say if you're new, just go listen to the first episode, dude. We want to goose our numbers. Yeah. Do we want to do that? Uh, 
Yeah, we I think do that for now. We could do another intro episode in a not now, like when you said you're short on time. So let's. Yeah, yeah. Okay, we'll do another episode. We'll do another intro episode another day. Uh, but yeah, so that was good. We we had a good good session, and we'll have another. Uh, we'll start off the 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 series the season uh, this weekend. Looking forward to that. Good stuff. But today. I'm really interested in this, um, less from a practical standpoint and more just from a thought exercise. Um, we're, we're calling this one CarPG because we're going to talk about your your modification of 5e and role-playing games in general over the last few years to be used with your family while on road trips. Yeah. So so talk to me first. I mean, I think the, maybe this is an obvious answer, but where did where, what's the genesis? Where's, what's the, the, the kernel from which this sprouted? Uh, this is so pre-COVID. I think it was three years ago. So what's that? 2019. Yeah, that's right. Pre-COVID. Um, summer of 2019, we were going to France for two weeks. We were going to have a week on a campsite with my parents and my sister. Um, but before that, we were going to, we knew we were going to be doing a lot of driving. We knew there was going to be days where we might be doing two, well, what we call a lot of driving. So two or three hours. It's like for you guys, that's like driving to work. <laughs> um, but, uh, yeah, so I, I just happened to have said to me, and Annie, like, well, you know, fair enough. When we when we we can take like card games and stuff to play when we're a you know when we're at a hotel or wherever we're staying and stuff, but those are quite long journeys to just be sitting there doing nothing and you know, God forbid, playing I Spy or Twenty Questions or any other thing you can play in a car, which gets really boring quickly. And I said, well, why don't we do some role playing? So I think I'd literally at that point, you know, that Annie hadn't done much role playing, and I thought we'll just play Fifth Edition because. But the one advantage 50, when you're going to play something right, we're going to have a short amount of time and it needs to be something I can easily do adventures for. Um, and, you know, the, you, you can gain money and level up and gain gold, whatever else. It makes it nice and easy for that kind of thing. So I, I said we played fifth edition. And the way we did it was pretty much I, I, would, I would have my books. So I'd have my books and some notes and Mika would be driving and Annie would be rolling all the dice. So for everything, she would pretty much, she'd roll the dice for the player's attacks. Um, I can't remember whether she rolled the dice for the monster attacks or, or I did, but she may well have done that as well. And I tracked a lot of the numbers and she kind of, you know, I literally had everything, but it was, a, it was really difficult. So I literally had to have a character sheet for me, for a character sheet for Annie. I had to have the monster stats. Obviously the vast majority of 5e stuff is not available on PDF. So I had books out on, you know, I've got the monster manual and it, it was, it was completely unwieldy, um, to do it with fifth edition. So when this year we thought, again, we're going to have some relatively big drives, which we ended up not having that many. We sort of planned ourselves out a lot better, but we knew we were going to spend two weeks away in Europe. We were going to be lots of days where we might be driving from one place to another place. Um, and I thought, let's do a similar thing. So that was the, that was the first thing. So when I was, I wanted to, initially I could use an existing system. Now, part of the reason I wanted to come up with a new system is I wanted to carry on the League of Legends game I played last summer. And obviously, if you're not familiar with this, there's an episode we did so roughly a year ago where Jeremy suggests to me I play Marvel superheroes, and that's what I ended up using. I, I did a session of this, uh, it's like a story, it's a story event thing that League of Legends ran a year ago called the Sentinels of Light, where this big evil king undead dude turns up and a bunch of these people group together and, and they fight him. And I ran the first session of that on my birthday a year ago in Marvel superheroes. Now, again, I, I, there was bits of that I liked and bits I didn't, but... Again, one problem with that is trying to run that in a car. Again, it's problematic because the one thing you have to have for Marvel superheroes is the table. You can't run Marvel superheroes without your table. With all, if you're if you're not familiar, you have a big you know sheet of paper which has all of these colors on and little charts to read. 
Um, and so having to have that as well as dice is is awkward. And I wasn't super sold on the setting for what I did anyway. So I thought, well, I'm going to change that. Um, and after some to and throw, and I actually had the idea, no, I'm going to, I'm going to create a setting from, I'm going to create a system from scratch. I'm going to create a system which will be kind of do what I want it to do, will be reasonably interesting, have a few options, but also that I'll be able to play in a car. Um, so there's not loads and loads of, you know, part of the other reason doing my own system was that I, I got the whole, you know, I wrote the whole system rules on sort of three sides of A4, which were then so simple, I never referred back to. Most of the rules that Mika and Annie need were on their character sheets. Um, if you want to see a character sheet looks like, you can look in the, the folder I shared with you, there's a PDF for it uh, in there. So there's two, there's an A4 and a, another one. So you can have ideas. There's a lot of information on there, but it was relatively easy. Like Annie was able to read this character sheet and know what her character did. And I had Mika's character sheet. And even then Mika was, you know, there wasn't, there's not, a sh it looks like there's a lot on the sheet. And obviously this is terrible for, for podcast. You can't see the character sheet. But although there's a lot of information, most of it isn't necessary. Um, and I basically statted up a bunch of the bad guys and was ready to go um, with zero play testing on this, well, it doesn't matter. They're just happy to make it happy to sort of say what a character does. And he's happy to roll some dice and we'll, and we'll go with it. That was the plan anyway. Yeah. I can see where, I mean, even with dice rollers, you know, using like on a phone or something like that, I could see where trying to, trying to run that with dice and characters. Yeah. That's just not going to work. Hmm. You're going to hit a bump or someone's going to get car sick or something like that, like you needed, uh, you needed to, to strip things down. How did that work out? Um, Driving through the bucolic uh, French countryside, I assume. I mean, part of the thing was, is that we ended up not having many really long drives. So I think we had one day driving to Germany where we had about a two hour drive and we did a session then. And then when we were driving from Germany to Holland, we had about a three hour drive. And I think we did, in fact, the time driving to Germany, we ended up doing two sessions. I ran one episode and then they said, no, more, more. We did a second episode. Um, the biggest issue we found, well, the, the, there was two issues that first time. One was that Annie had nowhere to roll the dice. I'd, we had boxes with us that I intended her to roll the dice in, but on that day I'd forgot to get one out. So she ended up having like the, basically having to take a, a little Tupperware sandwich box. I think that we were using to put like fruit and stuff in. She was rolling dice because I'd put the dice in one little box. We only had the dice she was using and she was rolling to another one. The other problem we had is that I'm not actually a very good front of the car passenger. So anything that's happening in front of me, I'm like, I'm fake breaking. I'm putting my hands on the dashboard and so on. Okay. So actually if Mika's driving and I'm like, I'm trying to read my notes and listen to Annie and listen to Mika, but every two seconds I'm looking up because someone's braked ahead and I'm, and I'm stopping. Yeah. So the second time we did it, I went and sat in the back of the car where I could be. And also I had more space in the back of the car because then I had other, I could put rolling, things around. Uh, but rolling dice though, I mean, I, how come, why didn't you use a, um, like find a dice roller on a phone or something like that? So, I mean, we have dice roller and I, it's entirely possible that when we did this in France three years ago, that Annie did actually use a dice roller on a phone rather than taking dice. But both Annie quite likes rolling dice and there was always a possibility that we would play this out of the car like we did Makes actually. Sense. I thought it's a good point. I, I did do some role play in the last week. We played another session of this system at the weekend, me, Mika and Annie, which I totally forgot about. So I did actually do some gaming at the weekend. Um, yeah, one of our decisions when we were using this system, I said to Annie, I, said, I want to do a dice pool system. Having just played like Exalted and World of Darkness and so on, I was like, I was sold on the idea that dice pools are the, the thing. And I said to Annie, what dice should we use? And actually part of the reason we decided to use D8s was that because D8s don't move a lot. So once you've rolled those D8s, D8s are pretty good 
at staying where you rolled them. Yeah, sixes where, and eights, sixes and eights. Yeah, but your your yeah. tens and your twenties for sure. They want they want to roll around a lot. That's yeah. a good point. So this this is why I don't think that we. I think pretty sure that last time we did this, I think that we used a dice roller to do this. Um, and we could have used a dice roller this time. And Annie has her own phone, but we're like, yeah, we'll use real dice because because um, it's more fun. Um, except then the problem was that where Annie was rolling the dice, she could only ever roll five dice at a time, and there was times she had to roll more. <laughs> So she was having to roll sort of five dice. And the second day we did this, I actually got a box for her to roll the dice into. So it, it wasn't a problem anymore. Although then she decided, oh, did, oh no, I took a carriage. She, she still did the dice rolling. Um, so yeah, that was, so that was a, that, that was some problem. So yeah, we fixed that. We got a box to roll the dice in. I sat in the back of the car where I had more space. I didn't have to keep looking ahead at what was coming. Um, cause I'm just a terrible passenger. I, I prefer to drive. Um, so in terms of logistics, actually, yeah, it worked fine. I'd, I'd, I'd basically put it so um, I had quite a few NPC character sheets, but mostly the main NPCs for a session were on one sheet of paper and the story outline for that one session was on another sheet of paper. Uh, and then I had, they had, well, me, Annie had her character sheet. I had me because, but although it looks like there's a lot of information on this character sheet, they kind of do the same thing again and again. And a lot of this is information that they don't, like the right-hand side of this character sheet, which is blank has their character portrait on it and some of this just has tables so a lot of this is information that they didn't need all the time um which i'd put on there which could help me but they didn't necessarily need but, but were you basically running this rules as written you were just running 5e i mean no no this you... was a system this is a system i couldn't if like if you got the cat this is a system i created completely myself during the Ew. week beforehand like that so 5e was what i did three years ago but it just it wasn't practical because there's just too many books you need for 5e Sure. I mean, this is one of the things I found running Strahd is that every time I wanted to run, you know, Strahd, I had to get the Strahd book out. I had to get the player's handbook out. Well, we have got two copies of that. I needed the monster manual and potentially another books. I would then have, you know, a, yeah, the you, you, it's, a, it's a resource and, heavy game. Yeah. You can't well, made worse by the fact that you can't have, you, there are no, well, if you can find PDFs, they're scans. They're not good right. PDFs. So yeah, I was like, I'm deliberately paring this down to a, making my own system. I tried to find a system that would do what I want, but actually making my own system meant I managed to fit all the rules for this totally created system. I mean, I say totally created, everything is stolen. Everything in the system is stolen from somewhere Right, else. so Hodgepodge, what's the core of it? Uh, I mean, the core idea is, is a dice pool system. Like I said, I, set it, I was having set it on the DA, I ran through a couple of different probability things of what would be a success and what would be a fail. Okay. Um, and mostly I was working on this idea of, I'd read it somewhere. I can't remember where I read it. It's probably on Reddit. <laughs> um, of pe players like to succeed 70% of the time. I don't know if that's true. I have no, there's no It's a number, that. so people It was a number it. that someone threw out there. And I was like, I like that number. I'm going to keep that in the back of my head. So I was looking like, you know, depending on a certain stat, how many dice do you have to roll kind of thing? And in the end, I went with the five, similar to current Vampire and World of Darkness, five, six, seven, is a success and eights count twice. So it's it's actually better than each dice is a better than 50-50 chance of getting okay. a success. And so how you, is the dice how is the dice pool um created? So essentially I decided not to do attribute and skill because it's just too many numbers, it's too common. I just wanted to have abilities. So these I full sale lifted these from the age system. So as much as like we've said, we're not big fans of age. One thing that age does well is you have abilities and then you have focuses. So okay. your abilities is the main thing you roll. And if you have a focus in age, you just get an extra bonus. So what I did here simply was I had, there's eight stats, accuracy, brawn, communication, dexterity, fighting, intellect, perception, willpower. Now, one thing you'll notice straight away is that accuracy and fighting are not your normal abilities. 
But what that does is take shooting and fighting away from other stats that do other things and gives them their own purpose, which I really like about age. I think that's, that's a clever design, just, just how like, um, yeah. Marvel Superheroes has a fighting stat, which is only used for fighting. Right. If you're going to do a combat heavy game, actually having combat stats, a good idea. Uh, and that would be rated sort of between sort of two and four or five. And that's how many dice you roll. And then if you have a focus, a focus is be like, you have a, you have a particular thing. So you have guns or you have swords yeah, yeah. or, and you just, all I did with that is initially I just did, you get an extra dice. Okay. And then I added to that at some point, um, that also if you have a relevant focus or I had these things called traits. So this is straight out of fate or even 2d20. If you have a relevant trait after you've done your roll, if you didn't succeed, you can re-roll a couple of dice. So I didn't want to add in a momentum mechanic because I didn't want to have to deal with sort of the how do you track a game it? momentum, yeah. a loss of momentum, tracking it. But I like the fact that you know you get a better chance of doing things. And again, like I like that you fail a roll in fate, you can find a way of re-rolling. But I didn't want to have to track fate points, so I had this thing that simply, if you fail a roll, if you have a focus or a trait, you can re-roll some dice. What it did mean end up mean is that the, they almost never failed any role ever. The characters are way too powerful. Why didn't you, um, just curiosity, you have the, the, the attribute that they roll. That's, yeah. that's the bulk of the dice pool. Why didn't mm -hmm. you just do a, a focus or a specialization or whatever as like a flat bonus? And were you, and let me ask you this also, because I, I may, might've missed this. Were you adding the dice together or were you taking like the, like, like Savage Worlds, you were taking the highest of them? No, it's successes. So like World of what? Darkness. Oh, right. So, oh, sorry. You said that. Right. So it's number so of like, successes, oh, yeah. dice pool. Um, Initially, I did a flat bonus, but then what I wanted was some way of, I wanted the traits to count for something. So I thought I'll just have them be a reroll. And then at some, I think again, it, it might be that at a certain level in age, that's what happens that focuses gives you a re-roll if it's like leveled. And I just thought, right, I don't want to mess around with this. I'll just make it simple. That I could also see where I could see where I just realized with the, yeah, reminding you it's number of successes by having a, a specialization, give you a fixed bonus. That's essentially guaranteed successes. It's automatic successes. Uh, no, I, I did it as fixed dice. So I did it. That's, as, that's what I'm saying. But I mean, if yeah. you decide, Oh yeah, you just get a flat plus two successes, right? then it's just automatic successes. Okay, yeah. so it's additional dice. You're not rolling a ton of dice. Yeah, okay. and I think I just, I, I gave it as a re-roll as well, purely. I mean, like the traits we hardly ever use, but there was occasionally when they did fail, I was like, oh, don't forget, you get a re-roll for, um, I, I purely wanted a re-roll mechanic in it to distinguish between sort of just having extra dice. Because yeah. although technically it's the same, it's not quite. So it's, and it was nice. And I didn't have to spend points on it, but there was a way of them getting rerolls. Right. Now, one of the other big influences for this, uh, I mean, you'll notice this thing that says merits. And that was, that was really for me building the characters. Um, it didn't really do anything. It was purely that straight out of World of Darkness that they had kind of, they either had a background that gave them something or they had a special weapon or they had some cool ability they could do. That didn't matter to them. That was really for me building the characters to try and get an idea of um, if, you know, if I was going to write this system up, that would be something I'd make more of. And I didn't really use that, but existed. Okay. Now, one big thing that was big is that when I was looking for a rules like role playing game I was going to use, I came across this thing called Lumen RPG. Um, and Lumen is a very rule, rules like system, which I'd never heard of until I came across it. You can only find it on itch.io, sorry, itch.io, whatever. Um, and it's quite a different, lot different versions of it. And essentially the idea of Lumen is that when you're, when you're in combat, 
most of the most of the versions I've seen have only ever had three stats. So I wasn't using that. But you kind of you might have a physical, mental, I don't know, magic stat. Mm-hmm. And if you do things out of combat, you roll some. I think it kind of uses like you roll a d6 and add, or you roll that many d6s. So it uses a super simple dice pool system. Yeah. But when you're in combat, you either attack using a basic attack, and you'll roll depending on what kind of attack it is, or you have powers. And powers would be things like you know, like like low use spells, or kind of if we think back to fourth edition, where you have an at will power and you have an encounter yeah. powers. And the thing they had, this guy had written in his system, he said, right, if you use a power, it always works, but you have a resource. So I did end up having a resource, but the resource was only for these powers. So they could ignore that and just go, I shoot. Mika goes, I claw people because she has claws. Okay. Uh, and that's all they do. I attack, I attack, I attack. If they want to do something fancier, me, Annie's character has an energy power, uh, energy stuff, and she uses a power, she reduces her energy. And eventually she would run out of energy and then she can't do a fancy stuff. But one of the key things is although they didn't like this, so we end up kind of getting rid of it. That essentially the idea in Lumen is if you use a special power, then it uses energy, but it automatically hits. So you use a power that goes, I hit three people, you hit those three people, they take their damage, and you don't roll any dice for that. But um, you used which, up this limited pool of power. Exactly. It. And I really like that as an idea that, you know, because in D&D, you can use, a, let's say you use fireball, you could use a fireball, and then all of the enemies could succeed and they'd only take a tiny bit of damage. You'd be like... Right. Oh, that's that's my disappointing. Level three spell. Yeah. So in this, it that couldn't happen. So I put it that like it took so many actions um, and like a load of power for Annie to do hers. And Mika's character worked the opposite. Her character can build up her energy, which is called rage, from either attacking or being attacked. But then it means she can't do fancy stuff straight off the bat. But it means once she's in combat, she kind of gets like a you know steamroll in and then can okay. keep generating rage. So she can do a fancy attack. Um, that that didn't work amazingly. They kind of just wanted to do their attacks most of the time, except occasionally when Mika, when Mika got a character, she actually on the weekend, the first time she'd seen her character, she was the fourth time she'd played her character. <laughs> how did you, let me ask you this. How did you handle, how did you handle damage and how did you track damage to PCs and NPCs? So I basically, I just tracked it all on paper. I just, I had paper on my lap and I just, okay. I just tracked all that. Ideally, Annie should have, Annie was also in the car when she had her character sheet, she was tracking her own damage. Um, and we had a pencil, but. But I mean, damage was a, was, you know, X many dice. And I mean, it was essentially like D&D style hit points. No, I, yeah, I did hit points, but they were relatively small. So damage was closer. Damage was almost like a fixed amount. So both of them, I think had base attacks that did three damage. But if their attacks were better than the defender's defenses, then I basically did a, a what you see in loads of systems. For every success more than the number you mean, you right. get an extra point of damage. Okay. I mean, if you notice, because you've got the character sheet, I also tweaked that more to be sort of momentum style. So if you if you succeed by an extra one, you can do an extra point of damage. Or 2D20 style, that's where I stole this from, you can choose to add one extra dice to someone's next roll, which they never chose. They always did extra damage. But when you get to plus three, if you beat the target by three, you could choose to do three extra damage or an extra attack because I ripped that straight out from the momentum system in 2D20. Okay. So if you get a really amazing roll, there's something cool you can spend it on. Um, and mostly they just we just used extra damage because that was... That yeah, was that's, a lot of people choose that. Yeah, but there was an option there. So there was an option, you know, like I put, I think a, a two successes more than you need. They could choose to... Um, do a combat trick, which would be things like disarms or knocking people over and stuff. They never chose that, but I put it in as an option in case specifically they said, oh, I want to do such and such. Um, yeah. 
there was an option for it. Because again, I, I stole that. I mean, not, literally nothing in this game is original. Everything in this is stolen from somewhere else. That's all right. It, it made it easier to kind of, I'm going to take this from this, this from this. And I, and I did that. And just, the, the, the one last thing, and I haven't said this, is that I didn't roll any dice. Oh. Now, part of the reason I was like, if I'm going to be tracking, if I'm going to be tracking the, the NPC's hit points and, and I'm going to have to be tracking Mika's sheet because she's driving and therefore she can't be looking at her sheet and tracking things. And I might end up tracking Annie's stuff at some point. I don't want to be rolling dice as well. So I did it sort of like powered by the apocalypse and I can't think of anything else, but oh, Numenera does it. So the whole cipher system must do it. That everything was either they were rolling to attack or they were rolling to defend as well. Okay. Now, I found one massive big problem with doing that, which is if you have relatively capable characters, they end up succeeding a lot more. Yeah. So you think in D&D, &D, even if you've got good characters and your players are hitting all the time, they also get hit a lot because you can throw in a powerful baddie. The thing I was finding here is that they were succeeding on their attack rolls and winning by sort of two or three and doing a lot of damage. But they were also on the flip side when they were rolling to defend, also getting really good defense rolls. <laughs> I liked, I literally didn't damage them. Luckily, I had they always had NPCs with them, so there was always the other League of Legends characters with them. So even if they weren't taking a lot of damage, some of the other characters were. So then they were having to do, you know, oh, I'm going to go and defend such and such, and an NPC character might heal another NPC. So um, they were never by themselves. So it, it it never, even though they were like steamrolling bad guys, it was still a case of like, you know, there's 20 bad guys you need to fight. This is really difficult. And they never kind of went, oh, this is easy. Um, That's good. So it, yeah, it had the illusion of difficulty, even though I've somewhere I've got the difficulty just wrong. Probably, I mean, the dice roll, the easy thing would be is I'd take the fives off the dice roll and then they wouldn't get as many successes. But yeah. Or oh, you, you change the threshold of yeah. what constitutes a success. Yeah. <clears throat> and that would be like shifting the difficulty in 2D20. Yeah. Well, I, I mean, I had that as well, but, but even when I was saying, right, it's a difficulty two roll or the enemy's de defense was difficulty two or three, they just constantly rolled right. much well, what I'm saying, Yeah, it, so you, you've got a couple of things that you could tweak. You could yeah. tweak the number of, you could tweak the number that, of successes they need to get or you change the threshold. And I, I'm guessing, or I, actually, I won't guess. Um, what kinds of stories did you run using this? Did you, was it more like hack and slash dungeon crawl style stuff? Or was it more like role play? Because I can imagine that the former would be in some ways easier and maybe more fun for like a, a like a pedestrian sort, not pedestrian, um, like a, Kind of like shallow, just passing the time yeah. and having fun type game, but would require all this adjustment for the mechanics to be able to do that while you're in the car. Whereas the latter would require the kind of player who wants to do that. And maybe your family's not all that hip on that, but yeah. would potentially be easier because there would be less rolling. No, it, it, it's definitely the former for both the reasons you said. You know, they they want something where they can picture what's going on, and they can even if they drop out for a minute, they're fighting people and. That's why, you know, it has escapism. this whole list of cool powers, yeah. Um, plus, the where I've taken it from is mostly, mostly, I mean, I've literally lifted it from this event thing in the League of Legends thing, which is like a story that sat on top of, of you playing the game last year. And most of them are literally like, you go to a new area, you bump into some new character, 
you have some interactions with a new character. Then you find out there's this, there's always an item. Every time there's this artifact that you need to find. Um, and so they, they go on some kind of journey to find the artifact. And then almost every single time when they get to the artifact, then there's a fight with either a, a, bad, a good guy's turned bad or their main bad guy turns up. Invariably, what happens is Viego, who is the ruined king, who is this guy that's trying to collect all these pieces, um, turns up, collects it, and goes, <laughs> and disappears into the mist. And they're like, again, I'm amazed that they haven't at this point gone, seriously, again? Because mm-hmm. um, he's done this like three times in a row now. He's literally just gone like, <laughs> walk through a portal. Um, but the other, because every time they go, so it's, it's a new location, so I get to describe the location. Um, and they meet a new character. I mean, every time that there's a running joke now, but this is what happened in the original story is that every time the heroes would go to a new location, they would meet a new League of Legends character who would then at the end of it, go back with them. Every time they go, oh, I'll come and join you and help save the world. And they'd always go back to the headquarters. And then this character called Gwen, who is a doll that's come to life, sews them a new outfit. And so by the end of this thing, now it's just this running joke that Right, so what's going to happen now? Oh, we mm-hmm. go back to the headquarters and Gwen sews them a new outfit. Yeah, that's what happens. Um, you know, what, what might be handy in this yeah, is the fact that you are playing with folks who haven't played a bajillion role-playing games and thus therefore have not been exposed to all the different plots and hooks and things like that that we look at, people who've played a lot of games look at it as like, oh, I've seen that before. It's like having a new audience to tell your old lame jokes. Yeah. And it feels great to roll them out because no um, people don't groan at them. I mean, one the thing I first started looking at, I was kind of I was watching through the videos from the event from last year and making notes. And then I found a website which just had it all spelled out. And then I wholesale just took that and cut and pasted it. So for the later sessions, I'm not even doing any kind of tweaking it. I'm tweaking it where I'm like, oh, this is a bit same or this is a bit boring. But mostly I'm just going, okay, this is what happened in the story, which is super linear. They're like super, yeah. super linear. But it's mostly an excuse to go from one interaction with a character to a fight, to another interaction, to another fight. And that's it. Like I said, it, it really is something to pass the time and they're in the story, but the story's more like, you know, it's, it's super railroady, but that's, yeah. they well, didn't mind that. Yeah. Um, yeah, with other players, I mean, the, the adventures themselves are not great, but it was a case of also, oh, if I take this, I can run this very, very easily. I've got this, you know, I spent, I got the system, I made their characters, I stacked up a bunch of NPCs. Um, the story was kind of an, an afterthought to get through it. It was almost, you know, that it's, it's almost like an interactive story as opposed to yeah. like a full, a full thing. Yeah. But, but that's, um, I mean, in a way, you know, uh, I, ideally a role-playing game is an interactive story. You're just, you're just staking out a, a different corner of that and, yeah. and away from the, the norms that we all have, at tables with people sitting around with a bunch of stuff, you know, in part because of your audience, but also in part because of the the context in which you're you're likely to play it. What changes? Uh, what changes have you made or considered making? Like what? Uh, I mean, I think any for more the, like two d twentyification or anything like that. I think for the moment, I'll probably. I mean, unless I wholesale change the system. At this point, it's like it's it's doing its job. They they have their characters have different things they can do. So in a combat, they can just go, I'm going to attack. If they get a good roll, they can do another attack. Um, or they can, you know, build up their power to do a super special attack kind of thing. Um I I don't think I'd make a huge amount of changes at the moment. Uh I think in future it'd be mostly it'd be it would be story side changes. And then the main thing would possibly be looking at sort of the maths of it, because at the moment they shouldn't succeed as much as they do. I mean, like they're, they're on average, they're rolling maybe five or six dice. And on, I think on six dice, they should maybe get 
four successes on average. So if they're hitting people with a defense of sort of three, they should only be getting one extra success. That would be average. What keeps happening is they just keep rolling a lot of eights and then that spirals the the numbers off to like, they, I've got eight successes. And it's like, if you, gotcha. how, how did you do that? Um, it's the kind of thing that, you know, sometimes occasionally you get crazy rolls in 2D20 where you bought all the extra dice and then everything you rolled came up with a focus and you ended up with eight successes. Yeah. And it was a difficulty two thing. So it's it's just, so that that's something I might change. But for the moment, they've got used to five, six, seven, eight. Five, six, seven is a success. Eight is a double success. Yeah. I, I wouldn't want to change it now. It would be awkward for a whole different like adventure or game or something. Um, I would do. And the other thing potentially is changing how I made the characters because... Like I said this to you, I think in a previous thing, I only made their characters. I didn't create I didn't create a complicated system for how I would create characters. I wrote a system for how I would create the bad guys, like a table sort of like like you see in the, the Dungeon Master's Guide, where like at this level you'll have these yeah. monsters. But that was just for my purposes. But their characters, I literally went, okay, based on previous versions of their characters, this is how I'm giving you stats. These are your folks, these are your power. And I just I took previous things because like these characters have been statted in fire like fifth edition and then a league of legends variation on fifth edition and then in marvel superheroes so this is the fourth system these characters have been started in now so right gotcha. now i know these i know these characters well enough that i wanted them to play like how they're meant to play uh and that's that's what it did it's, you couldn't take this system and just run with it because it literally has no character creation rules and kind of the idea of the powers is will you just decide what powers fit your character um so it, it did what i wanted really well um so yeah i was and and it worked and we haven't finished because i was hoping we'd get through the whole story and i think we've played like four episodes now and there's a few left but i'm going to skip mm -hmm. a couple that aren't in because a couple are just really repetitive and nothing interesting happens so i'm going to skip some of those and get to the the main things yeah i wonder i mean i you, you got me thinking about uh other ways i mean i like the, the other ways to 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 accomplish things you know it's fascinating you think okay you could have a dice pool with a certain a threshold for generating a success and then you have to generate a certain number of successes yeah. and i can see what you're saying by you've already fixed the threshold and so then the adjustment becomes you know on your end um is that uh the the number of successes required and that's smart too for having the uh you not rolling, you know, it's just one less thing you have to put up with because yeah. then actually in, in a way it's like nominating someone at your table to be the rules lawyer. If something needs to be looked up, it's like one person is going to roll the dice <laughs> and one person is going to, you know, keep track. And, and, and you're not that one person as the GM. I think that that makes sense. Dividing up, up labor. I mean, one, one good thing about that, particularly because you, you know, kind of the whole thing of, of Annie being involved, she does not have the best attention span, but this meant she was always involved because she was either rolling dice for her attack yes, or rolling the dice for Mika's attack or rolling the defense for her attacks right. or rolling the defense for, for Mika's attacks. And in terms of when I did the NPCs, the NPCs don't have any of those abilities. I kind of did a far extreme of what they do in 2D20, which just, I just said, anytime sort of like any, like they had uh, the, the NPCs had like a, a defense value, which was fixed because they were rolling against to hit that. Yeah. But they also had an attack value. And then I also just had an action value. So if, for example, you would need to charm someone or sneak past someone, I just had a fixed value for that as well. The where I had a problem with that is if NPCs are fighting NPCs. Right. Then what do you do? Then what do I do? But I just kind of went, oh, well, 
well, this is high, so I'll just do a bit of damage and this one will do a bit of damage. And I just winged it because it, it, it didn't really matter. Yeah. Well, I, I, mean, I could see in that situation, I, when you just said that, I would, I would already have what I thought was the narratively most interesting experience and outcome. And I would just narrate it. Like I just would not yeah. worry at all yeah, about like the idea of taking the concept of rule of law so far that you're like my, all my NPCs. No, 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 no. Don't be the GM who is playing two NPCs at once who are having an argument. Like, don't do that. <laughs> you know? That does bring me to an interesting 2D20 question, actually, that I've never seen a good answer for, which is if your NPC, if you have a, an assistant, like a good guy NPC with your party, do you spend your threat for them to have extra dice? You're meant to spend threat for NPCs, but then threat's meant to be sort of anti the party. So I've never, I've always been a bit like, Oh. I know in in Octun Cthulhu, there are rules. There's mention at least of a PC leading a squad or a mob, or not a, a mob, leading a squad. So a a PC leading groups of NPCs. There are there. I don't know what they are, but those rules are out there. I would think in that situation you would treat yeah. it like um, it, it's a. It becomes a resource of the party, yeah. like that's... much like the um, the dog. To the Australian boomerang commando girl is in the um, Octane Cthulhu uh, quick start. The dog is run by that player. So I would think in that situation, it would be something that would be run by players, which means anything the players are doing is going to be momentum. The GM doesn't, doesn't, right. doesn't do that. Well, there's your answer. I just gave you the good answer. Yeah. It's a weird one. Though. So yeah, I've, I've had that one a few times. I think, oh, I'm not, not sure where this extra dice stuff's meant to come from. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, one of the other weird things they did have, like I said, I'd, yeah. I'd got this idea of the powers being that when you roll, when you attack with a power, which costs, like you said, it costs a resource. So because it costs a resource, that's why you don't have to roll for it. That um, both Mika and Annie are like, well, but I want to get more damage. So then they were kind of, so then powers almost became like a difficulty zero thing in, in 2D20 where they would roll, even though I said they didn't have to roll because they wanted to do extra damage. That makes sense, but they're still spending that resource point. So that I would simply have them roll, and however many hits they got became extra damage on top of the, the damage of their powers. So yeah, I like that. They're still spending the resource, exactly. Um, but it's purely because they like, they like rolling dice, and they were like, well, I don't want to just do the damage. I want to do more. <laughs> it's like, okay, I guess you roll. Um, so yeah, that was an odd one, because that was something that's meant to make the, the lumen, like I said, run, run quick, is that... If you're just yeah. if you're attacking yeah. people, you roll. But if you're doing a fancy attack that uses a resource, you don't have to roll. Um, but yeah, they weren't. Really How often um, do those resource points um, regenerate? So Annie's starts at sort of like I think she started. Let's say she started ten. She started about ten resource points for the session. She could like last time we played, she did burn through the whole lot because she had like one one re, one thing that let her shoot multiple people. So she'd shoot two people. And then she had a big attack, which cost four resources. So she and she she could burn through those. Mika, the opposite. Mika starts at zero, but when she attacks or gets attacked, she gains one rage. And so Mika's can build hers up and then spend them back down and build them back up and so on. So hers, but then her character doesn't start with any. So Annie, so the, the two characters are very different. Like Annie can save them up and then it, it can go into a combat knowing that she's got all of this energy and just go wild, but then she's done. Whereas yeah. Mika could kind of like start it rolling and just get angrier and angrier and like the Hulk, I guess. And, uh, and then just, yeah, Hulk smash people. Um, I get, I guess your question, my, my thought at least with the resource points is that do you, do you pin the recharge 
purely to like a meta thing, in other words, per session? Or do you try to be quote unquote cinematic and pin it to the idea of a scene? I mean, I ended I guess yeah, you could do it doing it, it to a scene way. would work would work as well. I mean, I did it to a I did it to a, a, a session mostly because I never thought right. to reset it. Um, but yeah, we did it with a, I did it to a, a session, which was then like an episode. I mean, most of these only had sort of three or four like actual, like you know, not necessarily scenes because some of the scenes were quite long, but sort of three or four things happening um, and some of them yeah. be drawn out. So these, these, I mean, the first one literally took, we sort of played for 30, 45 minutes and then we still had time in the car. So we did another 30 to 45 minute session. Um, none of these were long. These were things that took every single one of them. We've run four episodes now and all of them were less than an hour. Um, which is what I wanted. I wanted a super quick system that was quick and easy yeah. to play and had quick resolution and just got the story. And that, and it and it did the job. Again, we only had two players, but you know what? I, I think this is great. And this is this is my plug for this idea in general. But you know, so often now, I don't know what it's obviously I've never been to England, so I don't know what it's like over there. But I mean, in my suburban American neighborhood, I live a mile from my grocery store, my supermarket, whatever. And there are times where I will drive to the supermarket and I will see people like see the person in front of me in a big old SUV and the kids are in the back seat watching a movie, driving to the freaking grocery stores. Like talk to your freaking kids. You know, and you see folks driving on the highway and everyone's on a device except for the driver and the driver's got ear <laughs> AirPods in. Like, I want to pull those people over and freaking shake them. It's like, speak to the human beings around you. Anyway, let me get off my soapbox. I love the fact that you're taking the time to build something that takes your hobby, your hobby crush, and, and engages your family in some creative conversation and fun. Like, I really love that. And that, to me, that's so much better than, oh, yeah, let's just plug all the kids into separate, you know, audio. Let's just, it's like the freaking Matrix, you know, instead of plugging shit into the back of our, sorry about that, plugging things into the back of our heads, we're just, we're just plugging into our ears and staring at a screen. That's right. Give the three-year-old some stupid game. And the, the kid, by the time the kid's 10, doesn't know how to carry on a conversation at all because you never taught the child. So from one human being to another, I laud your, uh, your desire to, to, to do this. I think that's really cool. I think more people should do this. Yeah, I mean, it, it's, it's bizarrely, it, it works on a couple of levels. So like Annie, Annie likes playing board games. But playing a role-playing game is more difficult because she doesn't want to sit at a table. If you, if, if we sit in like the lounge sitting room, whatever you call it, to to play a role-playing game, she's up and she's you have down. A lounge? Like I'm thinking, like running like around, lots of squishy and like red velvet. And that's what lounge. That's what, but like like a lava lamp. Uh, no, we don't really do that. <laughs> Although that's what I do. We sit in because she refused to sit on the chair, so she can't sit. So, so actually, in the car is good because she's strapped in. She can't go anywhere. <laughs> she has to stay relatively still. And obviously the driver, can't do, you know, the driver and... can't do anything other than pay attention. So, so like yeah. listening to a story and being able to make simple decisions is, um, you know, kind of works well. And then, you know, it's, it's not the easiest thing to, to GM. So actually having a system that's relatively simple and simple stories, uh, works well, but that makes sense. yeah, that's, that was what the idea of it. it was kind of like, well, when we're out of the car, we're going to be playing sort of board games and card games and stuff that the, we can play simply because we never know how much time we're going to have sort of thing. But in the car, yeah. if we're going to be stuck there for a few hours, the, the problem I had last time was I hadn't pre-prepared anything. I'd made some characters and I was having to use time sort of either in the car or at, at night to try and prepare things for following. But doing fifth edition was a terrible idea last time because uh, you just need too many books. 
Um, that, was, yeah. that would go the same for, or you need to print out a bunch of stuff and leaf through it yeah. while you're driving. That's just not going to work. Um, you're going to get so like I said, actually coming up with my own system was handy because I just come up with this. It was fresh in my head. So, I mean, I had four pages of printed rules, which I almost never referred to because I just had the system kind of in my head. And so a lot of this, is well, coming. you took the time to write it yeah. down. It's like writing a cheat sheet for something. If you do exactly. a well, good enough job, you don't ever have to use it. Um, so yeah, generally the principle, I mean, I would recommend it to other people because if you are in a long car journey, and you've kind of, you know, for like, you know, if you're driving to a convention or something, um, yeah, it's the kind of thing you do. Actually, well, we've got this really long journey. What we're going to do? We'll play a role playing game. Um, yeah. Now, which which file has the? Is it the LOL and Supers rules? Uh, yeah, which probably. Is one, the, yeah, that's the yeah, that's the one that has. I mean, actually, the, the rules now run to eleven pages, but most some of those are literally blank. <laughs> some of these kind of vaguely say how things work, um, but yeah, that's the one. So there are there are rules on there, but it's it's super vague. It was enough for me to yeah. know. Like, I mean, I put rules for advancement in, which I then never used. We didn't do any advancement because they're just not, you know, they weren't really that fast. Let's just know that that's not its yeah. purpose. But I did put rules in. Um, would, would, would do you mind if we share a, a web web based version of this? Someone could just to, to read over yeah. it, or if you want to just yeah, I don't think can we convert to a PDF from Google thingy. Probably, but yeah, you do this PDF or just publish it to the way. Yeah, I'll, I'll create it as a PDF and I'll I'll put it somewhere where people can get at it, um, out of interest. Because yeah, I mean, you, like you said, you you stole all the pieces parts from elsewhere. Yeah. So this isn't ever going to be your, this is never going to fund your retirement via. Uh, no, it's the kind of thing I like. I'm, I RPG. might I might try writing this up in a bit more detail and then like throwing it onto drive through and you know charging a dollar for it because that's where you'll make your millions. Because yes, I've stolen it for other things, but it's like. You can't, I mean, most of this stuff is with, with the exception of the fact that I've wholesale stolen all the abilities from age, everything else is like filed off things. Yeah. It's not as obvious. Well, let's do this. We'll go ahead and share your, your rough notes and then we'll think about it. Maybe, maybe we could come up with something that we could put out there for people that would be fully formed, maybe modular, depending on the degree of difficulty, because see in this country, you have some people who go on road trips in like RVs. And so you've got oh, yeah. a driver and then you've got people in the back with like a kitchen and a table and stuff like that. But I'm not going to count yeah. those folks. I'm going to count just people in a car or a minivan or an SUV, people sitting there with seatbelts on, not moving around. Those, that's, the, that's our audience for this. Well, you could do this yeah. on a plane as well. Yeah. I mean, it's like you said, you don't actually, I don't, we use dice, but we, you don't need dice. You have dice rollers on your phones and dice rollers will also work in airplane mode as far as I know. So, um, or the alternative, because at one point I was considering just using cards, yeah. you know, playing cards because playing cards work anywhere pretty much. So, um, but no, they like rolling dice. So I went with the dice. Well, you know, your audience <laughs> and that's part of it. I think that, that was part of the other thing. It was the thing you'd said is when we were talking about, I can't remember what we were talking about, but at some point you said, we'll know your audience. And I was like, yeah, I'm going to create a thing, which is let's me play the stories I want to do and have the characters I want, but let's them do what they want, which is have it be relatively simple, a few different options, um, let them kick ass and, and roll dice. That's Because cool. they don't care if their characters just, you know, just kick and wreck everyone that doesn't they they're not going to go oh this is too no easy. this is this is passing the time with family and friends escapism exactly. it's fun yeah. that's its first charge is fun i yeah. like that all right so i will go ahead and make that publishable we'll put the link in there and uh we'll put this out there and maybe we'll get some responses I'll, you know what i'll do i'll go after this one comes up i'll create a, a um a channel on the discord for carpg and, <laughs> and kick around ideas 
Thank you so much for listening. You can visit our show's homepage at anchor.fm slash fluff and crunch. That's F-L-U-F-F-N-C-R-U-N-C-H. We would really appreciate feedback and reviews on whatever podcasting platform you're listening to this on. Thanks so much.